welcome to the Please Be Seated podcast Monty Python specials. Today we're reviewing Monty Python's Meaning of Life and I'm joined by... I probably should have prepared the order for... <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which, which one of you wants to, <laughs> to introduce yourself first? Should we just introduce ourselves, yeah. Yeah, go ahead, Robert. Uh, I'm Robert Black of many, many Movies by Minutes podcasts. And I'm Alice, and I don't have any podcasts, but hey, whatever. I'm a comedian in upstate New York. Ah, brilliant. Um, so, comedy is a is a good place to start here, I suppose. Um, did you say this British comedy translates well overseas? Because I think Amer- Python's quite big in America, isn't it? I'd say, generally speaking, British comedy takes... Like, like a lot of people can't do it, but I think Python happened to translate better than most. Which is weird because it's the one here which is really sort of marmite Like I know people who love it, and I also know people who completely despise it. Um, so I think there's a more, possibly more of a split here than there is in America for it. Huh. But anyway, meaning of life, right? <laughs> so what, what, what were you guys? What were your experiences with this film? Yeah, I mean, I watched this movie a few years ago, um, and I, I think I don't remember if it was this one or Holy Grail, probably both in a sense, just didn't really like it, wasn't really a fan um, of the the British humor. I mean, it, it kind of probably depends which movie, which British show, but, you know, maybe it might be maybe too dry for my taste. Um, but I think watching this, I'm just, just watching this today, and especially the, the beginning sketch, not, not the first sketch, but the, the beginning, you know, sketches, I was like, wow, like, this is actually a lot both funnier and more insightful than I, I remembered it to be. I think the thing about British comedy is so many of the big name British comedians are actually like geniuses, like could easily have mm-hmm. got, they've, they've studied like, you know, big degrees and things and they go into comedy. So I think there's a lot of, there's almost an extra layer to the comedy where it could be understood at a, oh, that's funny, that's silly, but also that, oh, you know, that satire, that represents this, this, you know, and it's all, there's so many layers to it, which I think is what brings a lot of people in. But it can take a couple of watches. I didn't. I wasn't a massive fan of Meaning of Life when I first saw it, but it might have been because I was 12 and I was watching it with my dad, and it was kind of awkward through a lot of the film. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he he hadn't seen this one. Um, I think he oh, thought. I think yeah. he thought he had, but only as we were watching it, we realised he hadn't. Um, I think Life of Brian was a push, um, although. Interestingly, Life of Brian has now been reclassified as a 12 in the UK, which shocks me with like the full frontal nudity that it passes at a 12. Um, we'll is talk- that how your how your rating system is? Because I was I was seeing that it was it became like a 15, and it became like all these like the rating system is different from the rated R PG yeah, 13. Um, I, I think the the simplest way because I'm I'm a bit of a. a, a British age rating fanatic, which is weird, but I'm a massive fan of the work that they do with age ratings. I actually contacted them, said how much I like their work and whether they've got any stuff I could buy, and they said no, but they've got a parcel, and they sent me two t-shirts and mugs and posters and stuff, so I I know a lot about the uh, British age rating system, and the shortest way, your G is our U, your PG is our PG. Um, 12A we have for cinematic release, which is your PG-13, but on oh. on DVD and physical media, it's just rated 12. So you can go with an adult if you see it in the cinema, but you have to be 12 to own the physical copy. Mm. 
R15 and R18 tend to mostly go into your R, but I think some 18s go into your NT17. And then mm. there's R18, which is for pornographic material. So mm. that's... Uh, Fascinating. That's, that's if what it's, I read. If it's 18, you can't even go to a theater with your parents, right? No. And that's annoyed me. Uh, I, mean, I remember no... I, I was in England when I was <laughs> like 14, 15, and we had a night free, so we were going to go see a movie. And when we got to the theater, we realized they couldn't even take me to certain movies. I don't remember what we wanted to see, but it was something that was rated 18. And so we ended up seeing Ghost. And it was like... <laughs> yeah. Which was fine. It's a, it's a but, right film. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah. I think we'd all already seen it, though. We just were yeah. already at the theater, and we'd driven there, so... But that's the age rating system. Incidentally, uh, the best chance to plug another episode of the show is dependent on when this episode comes out. I episode either before this or after this. I've got a podcast with David Austin, the chief executive of the British Board of Film Classification, and he'll wow. probably be talking... Uh, age ratings and whatnot there uh, it's weird i'm so excited for this one <laughs> i've had i've had people who are like you know screenwriters i had a uh, comedian matt lucas on years ago but i feel so much more excited for the the man who age rates films um like who are you at the average 15 year old oh my goodness <laughs> but I, so I, impressive uh, to, to, to go all british i met him at the house of commons uh, <laughs> Um, there was a there's a filmmaking competition that I was in the finals of, and they had all these guests there, and I had a long chat with him about how I didn't think Life of Brian should be a 12. I knew he worked for the BBFC, I didn't realise he was the chief executive, so um, hopefully he doesn't remember that, because <laughs> it was kind of cool. I went to see uh, went to see Toy Story 4 with my little cousin the other day, and, and with my grandparents as well, and I sort of turned to my nan as the BBFC age rating title card came up. There are some signatures on the bottom, and I just said, the guy on the left, I've been texting him today. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, meaning of life. I don't know how much of this I'll keep in. <laughs> Depends how long no, this episode if we, goes. If we never talk about the movie, it's still appropriate. Yeah. Uh, well, I actually asked him whether um, meaning of life would ever be downrated to a 12, and he said he thinks the sex ed scene in itself probably is too strong. And so you yeah. doesn't see that happening anytime soon. Um, which is... Uh, it was originally an 18, I think, when it came out. And then it got downrated to a 15. But, yeah, that's the uh, the interesting side of things um, <laughs> for some people. Um, so, The Meaning of Life. Uh, I don't think... Robert, did you explain how you remember seeing the film? Oh, well, no, I did not. Um, I didn't really grow up with Monty Python. I didn't see this till I was probably uh, adolescent. But this was the first Monty Python movie I saw from beginning to end uncut because I watched it at my sister's house. And so this has always been kind of my favorite because it's that it was that first one. I really just sat down and watched the whole thing. The weird thing is I saw Holy Grail first and that's my least favorite. Like I know people love that. It's all right. Yeah, I saw saw parts of that on TV. And so it never really sat right when it when it was in theaters again, like a decade ago or whenever they did like anniversary thing. I went and saw it on the big screen, and it was cool, but yeah, this one's still been my favourite. I went to see Spam a lot on Amateur Production, I Spam a lot on stage, and that mm. was quite good. Um, but I, th- I don't know, like, Holy Grail's alright, and I, I get, like, it got me into it, but I think, I've got quite a, t- a short attention span, I think this film works <laughs> so much better for me. <laughs> but I can also see that structurally it's also a bit of a mess, but it works. That's the weird thing I found about this. 
Oh yeah. At least I think it works. Whether <laughs> whether either of you agree, I think like I look at it and I'm like, this shouldn't work, but it sort of does. But like it, it wraps up in the end. I mean, the people from the previous scenes, you know, come back, and and you can kind of have a, a little bit of order. <laughs> So we open with the accountancy short. Did <laughs> you watch this one? Uh, did either you watch it this time or not this time? Yeah, I did. Yeah, pretty pretty much. I mean, I started kind of go, you know, fast forwarding a little bit through the mm. fighting and the whatever the repetitive. This is going on way too long. <laughs> but yes. but yeah, I mean, I I really appreciated the be like the the beginning and just kind of what it was trying to say about how we're all kind of slave slaving away at work so i great, skipped great it first time, i skipped it first time i watched this i remember that specifically and I've, it's, it's never been something i particularly love um i think it's one of their weaker things although i do have the accountancy song on the back of a t-shirt somewhere mm. um but i just bought the t-shirt because it was a monty python t-shirt and you don't see them out that much but it's i mean it's a nice song but i feel like the, the sketch goes on a bit um, yeah, I I love this sketch, but yeah, it's at only what fifteen minutes. It feels like twice as long as it needs to be. And it feels mm. like it's especially only... since it comes back later in the movie. Yeah, it's it, it feels like it's only sort of got one gag. The gag is their accountants who are pirates. Yeah, and it, and I don't think it works to stretch out the one gag over twenty minutes. But I read something about where it came from, and I can't remember anymore, so I'll just avoid that. Um, <laughs> I think there was a reason. It was kind of like Terry Jones or Terry Gilliam just had this idea and they were like, yeah, go on, film it. And they did. Yeah, man. And then no one told them to stop, so he just kept <laughs> doing things. Yeah. It is well made. It's got great sound design. Like when they pull up the oh, anchor yeah. and stuff, it's it's well put together. Um, And I'll ask now, in case I forget later, how are the American accents of Python? Oh. I don't know if I noticed. I mean, I, yeah. I, I, no, I remember the the Americans, of course, in the the Grim Reaper scene. Then I was like, oh, they put Americans in this. I didn't even think about like in any other sense. I don't know. I yeah. suppose that's a good thing then. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> I was watching it and I was like, ooh, I wonder how. Because like I know the amount of times <laughs> that you know there are American actors who do a British accent and they think they're good and they're really not. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. That annoys me. But in the same way, I've sometimes watched American films which have British people in them, and they're British people doing a bad British accent. Huh. And I think it's they're almost asked to over-Brit it. Um, right, the fish tank. Um, I quite like the idea of the narrative being told by fish. Yeah. It fits with the attention span thing. Mm. True, true. And they're just... They're, I just like the idea that it's just... It's so Python-esque for them it's just to be fish that are telling the story and they don't really it doesn't really serve any purpose the fact that they are fish other than the oh look how it's being eaten line um i think everything else like it doesn't really matter that they were fish but it was just sort of no. funny because they were um and i i don't know how they managed to nail comedy so much um there are a few little bits of this which i think sort of don't work um but most of this was just hilarious in my opinion um, and then we've got uh, the miracle of birth. Uh, mm. I, I, I really like that um, <laughs> that whole sketch. Where it's like, oh, we're missing something. The patient. Yeah, the patient. Perfect. It's yeah, okay because was... they have the machine that goes ping. Mm. Yeah. 
Didn't they do that in Doctor Who? Like, I think David Tennant was like, oh, it's my machine that goes ping. I think he made that joke, yeah, once about something in the TARDIS. Hang on, I think it went... I'm trying to think. I think it was in it twice. I think it was once in Blink and once in Day of the Doctor. <laughs> but I think Day of the Doctor was mostly David Tennant reusing gags and lines from... I mean, it's... It's 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 fun, isn't it? Day of the Doctor. It's not groundbreaking. Yeah, it's fun. Anyway, and then after the miracle, oh, there's the uh, the third world um, bit with the miracle of birth, where I like the, where the baby <laughs> just falls, and it's just oh, could you get that for me? <laughs> I I love that the thor- the third world is Yorkshire. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Can I just talk about how much of a great woman Terry Jones is? <laughs> Yeah. I sort of forget it's Terry Jones through half of it. It's just like, and I, 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 I feel it's a shame that I haven't seen him playing women in many other things. Um, I think he's got dementia now, hasn't he, Terry Jones? Oh. I think I had read something about that recently, where he's like forgetting loads of Python stuff. Sad. Yeah. It's, it's especially really weird when I sort of get into this, you know, get into Python like two or three years ago. So it feels really vast for me to suddenly be, okay, now they're all old, one of them's dead, and the other one's got dementia. Yeah, because you just, just got there. Well, yeah. It's like when I got into the Naked Gun films, and it was like, you know, about seven years prior, Leslie Nielsen had passed away. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's like watching Golden Golden Girls now and being like, they're almost all gone. <laughs> like, it's weird. It's like, like, Betty White's the only one still alive. Because still, every time I watch like something now, I think, oh, they'd be a great person to get on my podcast. And suddenly I'm realising Leslie Nielsen, John Hughes, Tommy Cooper, they're all dead. Yeah. Tommy Cooper died decades before I was born. Um, like, I, 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 Tommy Cooper was one I did grow up with. I watched him since I was like five. And I did know he was dead. Uh, anyway, Python. Python. <laughs> um, then we've got they every... Were... Oh, sorry. I was going to say that they were so ahead of their time too with the you know oh are we really going to put gender roles on this baby right now i mean some of these things i know because of the the memes you know and so that's like very i mean that that is ahead of their time yeah that is is so ahead yeah i found that remarkable and so much of this it just fits so well and it's almost like it's almost like i think any era like for possibly centuries to come you'll just be able to sort of mold python around it and it'll sort of fit um, and I feel uh, then after this we've got uh, every sperm is sacred. Yes. <laughs> best, oh the best song. That that's amazing. And and I'm not trying to like as I compare the two. I'm not trying to compare the two and say they're on the same level. But to me it was like I don't know if you know like Family Guy. It was almost that same kind of like weird song situation there which i mean it was it was an incredible song it was so good so as we were saying before topical to you know what the united states is going through but yeah it was just an interesting like this is what family guy wants to be and the weird thing was then he had to say put a little rubber thing on the end of my sock because they wouldn't let him say the other one yeah and they dubbed over it but the kids were allowed to sing every sperm is sacred Mm-hmm. It's just, yeah. it doesn't. It's just, I think the rules were as odd then as they <laughs> probably are now. Yeah. 
Oh yeah, I was so wor- I was so worried about like, oh my God, these kids are around these, you know, swearing and you know people talking about you know sort of like sort of sexual explicit things even as we go on to the teaching scene oh, yeah. thing that they have, you know, where I'm like, oh, these are, ki-. I mean, they were older kids at that point, like, oh, these are kids, you know, what would, kind of what would be allowed today, it's still allowed today, we have foul-mouthed kids in movies still. I mean, but... isn't that the complete plot of the new Seth Rogen film? I was just about to say, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like, I, I watched the trailer and I was like, this looks awful, I really want to see it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, but, I mean, I suppose this is the same era as you know blue lagoon and pretty baby and all these other films yeah. which are, you know under so much controversy for the involvement of kids um yeah uh so then uh we got the whole protestants thing and i remember this is really in, in my school religious studies class we were told to research the catholic and protestant views on like sex and and contraception and a it just seems really odd to get people to research those sorts of things in lessons just on the iPads because you don't know what you'd come across. And, <laughs> and, and B, I decided to just watch this Python sketch. Yeah. I'd seen it before, but I was like, I'm just going to watch this. It's an excuse to watch Python in lesson. And I mean, I am Protestant. I you know I know the views anyway, but I just I, I think it's a brilliant little scene there. Oh, the wife is hilarious. Yeah. She's like, oh, we can? Really? (laughs) I can just go to the shop anytime I want. Well, why don't you? (laughs) Then we've got the boarding school church, um, which is, it's the one bit which I was a little bit uncomfortable on as, like, a Christian, but I also know with this film that John Cleese specifically said, let's offend everyone equally with this (laughs) one. And I I love that ideology. Like, I think you see the same thing in Sacha Baron Cohen and in Ricky Gervais. It's like, my my parents really don't like their sort of stuff, but I I feel like you can't take offence when you realise that you're not targeted. Mm. I feel like true equality is to sort of make jokes and understand to you know at each other in you know if there's no bad intentions, I feel like true equality would be to you know see the humour in your own actions and your own beliefs and accept that. And and there needs to be some level of sort of honesty to the joke too. Mm. It's not they're not inventing something about this like his prayer. Then we go into the sex ed class, which we've already talked about a bit. And uh, <laughs> I didn't realize that the woman was from Rocky Horror. What? Um, hang on. What was the name of the part she played? She was announced for a Comic Con recently. Ha- Helen, they, yeah. Yeah, there was announced for a Comic Con recently, and I was like, hang on, she was in Rocky Horror. Um, I can't think of the name of the character. Rocky Horror, is one, Rocky Horror is one of those which I've started watching several times. I've listened through the soundtrack, but I don't think I've ever seen the ending. Which is probably bad, because I really enjoy it every time, but every time I watch it, something comes up. And then I'm like, oh, I was only ten minutes from the end, there's no point watching the rest. So I'm not entirely certain as to how it... Um, Patricia Quinn, who plays Magenta. What? Ah. Oh. Didn't recognise her. No. Yes, she played Mrs. Williams, which is that part in. Yeah, thank goodness. But Rock, Rocky Horror is one of those things where I don't get the comedy as much as a lot of people. Fair enough. So I've, <laughs> I've seen the beginning of it so many times, and then I just kind of get bored. I I, yeah. Yeah, I I love the beginning. I love the first few songs, and then it just starts to get weird, but with no real reason to be weird. <laughs> it's just, 
I don't know. I, I I like it possibly up to Sweet Transvestite, and then after that, it's sort of like, what what's happening? Yeah. Yeah, I've I've seen that. I've seen it a million times. The I because I was actually in the show three times. The last time playing the not title character, but like the main character Janet, and I'm just so tired out. I just no more, <laughs> no more of it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Monty Python. Um, oh yeah, that. <laughs> have, have either of you seen anything of Spamalot? Seen it? No, I've listened to it. And what what were your thoughts on listening to it? Uh, parts were funny. I felt like there was too much of it. Uh, parody enough. musicals bug me sometimes in that regard because it's like they have to copy every part of the previous story, and so they, I don't know, it felt like more than it needed to be. And I think the issue I had with it as well was what I also liked and loved about it was that it was all it should have just been Monty Python the musical, like they tried to adapt their other films into musicals. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if you've seen The Life of Brian Opera. Um, no. He's not the Messiah. He's a very naughty boy. You can get that on DVD and I think it's been Amazon <laughs> somewhere. And some of the songs are great, but the whole thing is just it, it drones on a bit. And the DVD is not like a performance of it. A DVD is like a concert of them doing the songs of the failed musical opera. And it's just, oh, it's a bit weird. They yeah. just sing a song, which is then just repeating the word sheep for ages. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, I don't know. I'm sure it'd be great to actually see on stage, but they, it was fail. They tried to turn meaning of life into a musical. I don't know how, but <laughs> where you'd, how and what, how you do that, I don't know. I could imagine it being entertaining, but it'd probably have the similar problem. This broken up format works better when you can pause if you need to and come back and take a bathroom break. That reminds me, have either of you um, watched a version of this with the commentary for lonely people? No, no. I watched, it's basically, it's Michael Palin sitting there and occasionally muttering to himself for the whole, th- I watched the whole film of this <laughs> and it's great. At one point he just goes, Huh, I wonder what it'd be like with no sound on. And then he mutes it for about 30 seconds. <laughs> it's, it's just a brilliant little addition. And it's it really, like, it was great. But I think at the end of it, like, the guy gets arrested or something, or, like, something happens outside his house or whatever. But it's it's just a really fun thing because you can still take in the film whilst also, like, having this other guy just talking through it every now and again. Um, And I think that's where Python are going. It's unfortunate that they're not really doing much for their 50th. I think they're releasing yeah. like they're re-releasing like the Flying Circus on Blu-ray or something, and they're doing a radio show. But there's it's a shame there's not like a little concert or you know an event, a convention or something. Yeah, even a convention like where even they weren't involved seems like it should have been mm. something someone put together. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe someone will, but it's coming quite awfully close. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it does seem like... I mean, John Cleese has done Comic-Con before. So has Carol Cleveland. So, I mean, I'm sure some of them would do something. It's a shame I don't know anyone who organises events and we could, like, sort out PythonCon or something. I'm sure there's a really good pun that you could make out of a Python joke, but I don't know what it would be. PyCon. Pi- <laughs> um, so we've got the sex ed class, which we've touched on a little bit. Um... Mm. I don't know how much there is left to say on this family <laughs> podcast. Well, how do you feel, I guess, I don't know if that was a good question to ask, but, like, 
How do you feel like sex ed is over there? I mean, I know in the United States it's a big thing that it's like, you know, it's not it's not adequate. It's not, you know, there's there's just a lot of things that are wrong with the way that our sex education goes. So I don't know if it's kind of better we over had, there. Um, we had in year five, which is uh, ten years old. Oh. We we did a we watched a video series which covered puberty and sex and like but we had to watch a video of a woman giving birth um oh yeah. wow and that's quite <laughs> uncomfortable um and it was okay you know it got stuff and people were asking questions and stuff um then we get into secondary school which is um 11 12 you come to secondary school um like they did you know little bits in science about reproduction and only now and i think they're possibly doing this for all years i don't know are we now having PSHE once a week, which is a lot more about relationships and feelings that come with it. But also, they've gone so much into sex and consent and homosexuality and all these other things, which they should, but it feels so forced. Yeah. But they've somehow succeeded in getting teenagers bored of sex. <laughs> which I mean, is it? It's a it's an incredible thing. Yeah. But we're all sort of like, oh, is it more sex? You know, it's... Um, uh, but I mean, I, in America, don't you have to have like some sort of teacher have some sort of qualification to teach it or things? Because here it's just like your, your form tutor teaches it to you. Oh. We watched the films and talked about it in like science class in junior high, which is like 11, 12 years old. But by that point, those of us who cared already knew most of what we would find out there. Hmm. Like my parents weren't as restrictive as yours, as or I wasn't as restrictive as you are watching like rated r films and stuff like that and finding stuff so i knew everything they were going to show us except for the actual birth film because obviously films don't normally show that no i don't i don't know why we needed that <laughs> it was quite <laughs> i don't really get what that was teaching us they could have easily Just to horrify the young mind <laughs> they're like this is what happens if you have sex yeah <laughs> um but I feel like it's it's important what they're teaching, but it, when it feels so shoehorned in, like I think there is almost a separation between this is what the schools teach and this is what it is. Like I feel like they need to be joined together somehow, because it mm. just feels like two completely separate things sometimes. The PSHE and the sex ed. Um, I mean, I I brought up with Christian values and things anyway, so I I already know coming into it what I've um, and because of however many films I've sat and watched with my parents, we've had the conversations about different things and how like values are presented and morals and things but i know that other people don't um and i I, I mean it's getting better but sort of having the math teacher teaching us all about it is a bit weird i mean i wonder whether it would have been uh one one of the i don't know what i'm trying to say here one of the best gags in this monty python sketch is how bored everyone is by it and i think that's i think that's brilliant the idea that if it was taught you know in front in a classroom then everyone would still have the same classroom attitude about it mm. then we move on to the rugby match <laughs> what do you think of that i love the transition from sex education to rugby because they shouldn't be connected at all but it totally works yeah it's a great visual the little kids playing the bigger guys but mm-hmm. yeah it it's almost like they forgot to tell a joke mm. That's how yeah. I, was I was like, Where, when's it coming? When's it coming? And then suddenly we're watching the Battlefield sketch. It was like a transition, yeah. really, from the school. Maybe that's what it was. You know, it's. I suppose it would have worked better as a Gilliam animation. 
Hmm. Yeah, because okay. yeah, well, it was saying that like it was the boys against the headmasters, or that he was thrown into a a rugby match, but like the headmasters were on the side of the fields. I, I don't know. I'm just a little bit confused. Or if, or if they just moved the fighting each other title card to during or before rugby instead of after. Yeah, it confused me a bit. And in all fairness, I'm not completely clear on sports anyway as to how much of what was happening. was. <laughs> I was kicked out of a rugby team when I was little. I was basically told, because I've got dyspraxia, I was told you either stay with the kids group or you leave. And I left. Hmm. Um, kind of, I've kicked out of kids rugby <laughs> for being too bad. Uh, the uh, the battlefield present sketch. Yeah. Uh, what do you think of this sketch? I I love this, the idea of this one that like they, they think they're gonna die so like we're gonna have a going away party in the middle of the battle. Oh, that one, yeah. As everyone's dying one by one. What I uh, and, what... and that glass thing stays intact the entire time. I was just waiting for it to explode. Yeah, what I really enjoyed about this and what I always remember is um, I think I discussed this on the Naked Gun podcast earlier. I don't know when it came up. Is that on the way? Uh, to when I went to Disneyland a couple of years ago I was on the coach and at one point when we stopped at a service station I had a portable CD player with me and I found for sale the soundtrack to Monty Python's Meaning of Life mm-hmm. and I hadn't realised until I was listening to it that this, by the soundtrack it's genuinely just all, the whole film just audio only and it, it, huh. it works so well but I found myself on like a public coach in stitches at this sketch and I don't know what anyone else was thinking about why I was laughing so much <laughs> but I found it a lot more hilarious than I did today. I mean, yesterday, whenever I watched it, I mean, I really enjoyed it. But I don't know. I, I, I'd seen the film before, but it must have just been the fact that I'd completely forgotten about it. Um, I forgot about it today and yesterday, whenever I watched this as well, um, until it came up. But it just, it was all right. <laughs> it was kind of as we saw in other sketches, at least for me, kind of the stereotypical polite Brit sort of. Yeah, which I think you know was just really interesting. Um, I think that's the that's the issue with this film. It's like if they were all really good sketches, it'd be amazing. But there's some of these which just don't sit, like the like the rugby one. Like I I don't know, I wouldn't, I haven't known any incredible things about that one. And I don't think the accountancy sketch sits brilliantly either. Um, Mm. If it um, it stopped at like some at some point maybe in in the beginning, like if it stopped and you're like oh. There's a whole, you know, almost, you know, slavery thing underneath the the, the workers. Like, that would have been like, oh, man. Like, yeah, let them fight heart. back once, take up their anchors, and then end. It would have been brilliant. But um, then we've got possibly one of my favorites, which is the marching up and down the square. <laughs> I, I just love the idea of that. And is this the one somewhere where... somewhere better to be. Is this the one where he says, don't stand there gawping like you haven't seen the hand of God before? Is that this one? Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's just... That, that, that is how Python works, basically. And I think yeah. that possibly that line in itself would be a, you know an introduction to Python for people, really. Um, but I think I like that sketch. And doesn't he sort of go and march around the square himself? Yeah. 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 After they all have better places to be. I mean, it's so stupid, but it's brilliant. Fantastic, yeah. I was just shown scenes from the movie 
uh, Full Metal Jacket, and it was kind of the antithesis of like <laughs> that, you know, horrible sergeant. <laughs> it's just interesting to watch. This is one sketch I think actually might be a little too short. I think they could have yeah. used a, a few more specific things that people had to do. Yeah, it felt like they sort of rushed it yeah. in where it's just like, everyone go. <laughs> like someone has some ridiculous thing like, oh, I, I need to check on like my laundry or something dumb. Yeah. It's like, okay, go ahead. Martin, Martin, but most of them just square. go for the movies. Yeah, um, it, yeah, it felt like a, a Chris Chibnall Doctor Who episode. It's just rushed at the end. Um, yeah. That's possibly a controversial comparison. I know those people who love Chris Chibnall stuff. <laughs> everything I love about his episode of Doctor Who, I realise the endings are terrible. Um, but anyway, this isn't a Doctor Who podcast. I cancelled my Doctor Who podcast. <gasps> right. <laughs> Mostly because it was a show I did when I was like 12 and I posted it on YouTube. <laughs> and I, I couldn't be bothered to edit through it, so I just sort of recorded something and then posted it and then like two people clicked on it. And probably didn't even listen to the whole thing. I recorded one recently, and then by the time I got around to editing it, we were like talking about the latest Doctor Who news for most of it, and the episodes had already come out, and it was like, there's no point anymore. <laughs> it was like, we're so excited about Lee Mack being in Doctor Who, and then it's like, because they just announced it, and then it was like, oh, that episode was three weeks ago, there's really no point in releasing this anymore. Wow. And then for some reason we played six series of Kevin Bacon partway through it, and I don't know where that came from, but that was fun. <laughs> I'm annoyed that short films don't work on six series of Kevin Bacon because I really wanted to see whether I'm connected, but it wouldn't let me mm-hmm. on the website anyway. Right, Python. That's where we are. Right, mm-hmm. the Zulu War. I like this one. Yeah. And he's sort of like, I, you know, I just woke up and it wasn't here. <laughs> it's just... And it yeah. stings a bit. Yeah, it's like, oh, do you think it'll grow back? <laughs> this is another, the fle- it's just a flesh wound moment here. Yeah. I think this possibly was a sketch written after the success of the flesh wound. Uh-huh. Huh. Which I hadn't even thought of until this time round, where it's like, actually, this is a very similar... The tiger suit thing's a bit weird. I didn't find it funny the first yeah. time. But t- today, like yesterday, whenever I saw it, I can't remember. I found it really funny. <laughs> I don't know. I love I love those two guys. Their answers to questions when they're like contradicting each other. <laughs> like, do you have a leg back there? Yes. <laughs> like, oh yeah, and, and uh, I, it, isn't it at the end where he said, "Well, they're like, oh, you got that." It's like, oh, did you say human leg? Yeah, I think we got one lying <laughs> around somewhere. <laughs> it's like, what are they doing back there? <laughs> It does remind me of, isn't there a scene in The Shining where, like, they're just in, like, a tiger costume or something like that? I think it's a bear costume, bear yeah, costume, the guy, yeah. The guy in the hotel room. Um, ah, the middle of the film. So, um... Did we find the fish, though? Um, did either <laughs> of you find the fish? Is there one? I don't know. I, I'm no. Googling this. I, I assume that there probably was, but... I hope it's really obvious and it's just so bizarre that no one notices. Yeah. Like it is like like it is in his pants. Like that's when they stopped it. Like it's in his pants. It looked like there was. What is there? It was like that gorilla video about attention spam where you watch people throwing a basketball and a gorilla walks by. Like maybe a fish just goes across from the screen. Oh yes, you watch brain games too. Oh, we, no, we, we, we studied that in our uh, in a psychology club at my school, and we were, we planned to remake it, and we never did. Um, <laughs> uh, but we studied that for ages, and we like went through different people to see if anyone noticed. I don't think anyone noticed. 
Um, is there a fish? Hang on. Find the fish. Another bleeding Monty Python website is the name of the website. <laughs> so. Uh... Oh, is it? Is it's just the the transcript. And isn't there a line afterwards where the fish say like, "Oh, now that's a good, <laughs> that's a good bit" or something like that? Yeah, I think so. At one point. I could check the transcript I just had open, but I wasn't that Yeah, I, I think so, so. That was a good bit, yeah. The fish slapping dance. That, that's another good Monty Python fish thing. Have you seen that? I don't know. Oh. Probably. I think it was one of their flying circus sketches where it's generally just a guy slapping someone in the face with a fish and then the other oh, guy yeah, gets like yeah. a larger fish. and Then he gets like eaten by a Hitler fish, which, Nazi <laughs> fish, which has been like edited out in some of them and... Um, I can't find where the fish is at all. Um, if there is a fish or anything like that. I wonder what the comments would say on a YouTube video. That's the best I can do. I mean, I really... I quite like the idea of the middle of the film. I think it was quite a... Oh. a, a silly, I mean, only Python could do it, but I, like, I, I thought it was a bit of fun. I mean, I thought it was stupid and really weird, but also... Some, someone has commented saying of all the things that have stuck in my mind for years this is the most unmovable unforgettable thing ever <laughs> someone else said little known fact this was the inspiration for finding Nemo <laughs> um, notice the lens we're the fish oh uh, nice it's a fisheye lens um, yeah that that could the long armed man could be the fish I don't know I left this video with more questions than I arrived with. This is this is what a, a, a small podcast that doesn't have enough listeners to email in then becomes, just reading YouTube comments. <laughs> Not even on anything connected to me. Uh, right. Yeah, apparently it was, it was saying that, like, even, like, the fish in the beginning, it was supposed to be kind of like a, like, like those dreams, of, like those weird dreams that people sometimes have and I guess Terry or whoever it was was saying like oh oops I, we should have made that clear well I kind of like it the was idea probably the, Terry Gilliam, saying, let's be honest. we're the fish yeah I like that idea I think that was quite a because it fits with like the whole philosophical thing of the movie is like trying to discuss the meaning of life and you can't find the fish because you're the fish mm-hmm. you know I'd really love to show this film to someone not knowing it's a comedy <laughs> I, mean, I mean, very obvious, very quickly. But it's just the idea of okay, let's watch this philosophy film about the meaning of life, and then uh, and like that's Howard's being eaten. That's also kind of like how we how we move around too with these. I mean, kind of going back to the fish in the beginning, where you know we're just always like morning and morning, you know, very empty, like good morning, good morning. How are you? Good. Everything good? You know, you know, nothing's going on. Nothing's new. Okay, cool. Bye. You know, like very. Surface, surface level, I guess. Yeah. Conversations. Then we've Very. got dinner. Then we've got a discussion about philosophy in the dungeon. <laughs> yeah. Our special tonight is minorities. I think but, it's a. I like the idea of that sketch, and I could also see that becoming a thing. Like I could see someone as a joke starting, like running a conversation starter thing. I don't know if anyone has. I was just—it was just as I was watching it. It's probably an app. It just—I was there. I was sort of thinking, you know what? That's quite. I like the whole thing where it's like, oh yes, he's the one who starts with an S. Yeah, they have no idea what they're talking about. <laughs> Do all philosophers have an S? Yes, I you think know, so. 
You notice the stupid ones are the Americans, though, right? True, <laughs> <laughs> true. Um, uh, then we've got the next part of the meaning of life. Live organ transplants. <laughs> <laughs> I love the. I love the. Uh, it's almost at the point that the film has sort of given up at that point, and it's just like <laughs> the next. And I, I, I find that great, and I love this sketch. Um, I think it's possibly one of my favourite things that Python have done. Just the, the stupidity of the live organ transplants, and then the Galaxy song. Yeah. Yeah, I watched you... it years ago. I fast forwarded today. That's so boring. <laughs> I can't. Oh, really? Okay. So oh, long. Right. You guys seen the Stephen Hawking version? No. Of Galaxy Song? Right. Yeah. For the Monty Python live, mostly one down, five to go, uh, final farewell tour. Long title. I think that I think I mixed like all three titles they had. Um, they had a whole sketch where the scientist Brian Cox is like talking about how the song is inaccurate. And then Stephen Hawking comes over and runs him over, and then he flies off into space <laughs> singing the Galaxy song. And they like they got Stephen Hawking like actually involved in it, and they got Brian Cox involved in it. And I think you can buy it on iTunes. Stephen Hawking sings the Galaxy song. Nice. I think I've got it actually, <laughs> but it's a. Uh, I'll see if I can send it over to the uh, to the Skype group later. It's just it's incredible. And there's a whole uh, documentary which is at least on Netflix here. Um, I don't know what you get in America called Monty Python: The Meaning of Live. And it's all about their live show and like what Python meant to them, and that's quite good. And that's got people like Stephen Hawking's on there. And it's just incredible when they played the whole thing to him. You got like his reaction, and Stephen, like you can just see him smiling so much about it. He like he's a. Apparently, they sent Brian Cox an email saying, "Do you think Stephen would be up for this?" And then within a minute, Stephen Hawking emailed back saying, "Yes." <laughs> so, there we go. Nice. Anyway. Um, but yeah, I just love the idea of live organ transplants and the Galaxy song. Like, uh, I know our next school concert is a movies concert, and I'm really wanting to do the Galaxy song. <laughs> I, I really wanted to do like a mix of Python things, like a couple of songs and a sketch or something, uh, just because the 50th anniversary of Python doesn't come about every year. Um, so I think that that would be fun, but... Anyway, I'm getting carried away here. Python, Python. Uh, Live organ transplant galaxy song. The very big corporation of America is the next sketch. The accountancy continued. Where do you stand on that? I like them. They they remind me, and maybe in a way I was aping them. In a comic strip I did for a few years, I had a company called Big Greedy Greeting Card Company. And they were gradually taking over the world. Like they made, they invented new holidays so they could make mascots and sell cards and sell stuff. And eventually, the climax of the thing was they actually bought the moon because their logo was a happy face putting a thumbs up. And then the moon looked like that later. <laughs> and the main character of the strip is like, "What the hell?" <laughs> I'd really like to see like a film about that. <laughs> I feel like you could do something really good with that before someone else steals the idea. Python already did. <laughs> That's yeah. what we find yeah. here. Um, but I, I, I think there's a line that oh, oh no, you know these these people have escaped from the short film or something. Yeah. Uh, they say, which I, I quite like the idea. Um, which I suppose I must not have noticed when I skipped the short film the first time I watched this. I don't know why I skipped. I, I think I was just we were all just really confused as to what we were watching, because when you click on a Python when you watch a Python film and it opens with no members of Monty Python. It's a bit odd. 
Yeah, they played that well in that it feels like it is a short film that's unattached. Yeah. That just happens I, to be playing. I think it would have been better in the cinema. I think that's what we, you know, when you're in the in the cinema to go and see the film, especially in the era where there are so, but it wouldn't show many short presentations and things, that it would have worked incredibly well. And I feel now it works okay, but I think that's one of the few things that's possibly uh, lost its hilarity with time. Maybe that's why I liked it the first time too, is I wasn't that familiar with Monty Python, and so I didn't know they're not in there. It's yeah, just funny. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Then we've got Mr. Creosote. <laughs> 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 It just makes you feel sick through the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. I saw it before. I nope, nope. I no puking for me. No thank you. <laughs> no thanks. When I was watching this yesterday or the day before, this of course came up at the same time as I was eating my dinner. Ah. Um, I think I ended up turning it off partway through. I was like, this is too much. Yeah, I was, um, yeah. I was just reading. Even Quentin Tarantino, that was the only graphic thing that he couldn't handle and like I don't I'm not you know super into his movies I mean I've seen a, a couple but I'm not a big gore you know kind of person and so the, the fact that this, yeah. was, this bothered him <laughs> I'm actually more disturbed by what he's eating because he orders everything but they're going to blend it together but with the but eggs on top yeah like, why the eggs ew. on top that's what I was wondering <laughs> he's like he's so he's not fussed about anything except you need the eggs but on the top eggs, yeah. <laughs> and um just the is the implication that the waiters wanted him to blow up oh yeah because yeah, he, he dies he behind the plants yeah. and then he looks up to watch like they knew what was going to happen was he an um, american was this a comment on being a fat <laughs> american <laughs> but yeah i i mean i don't think as much i was going to say something and it's completely gone i mean it's incredibly well done um but it, it it's so prolonged, yeah. and I think that's the point. But it's like there, as we said earlier, there are some sketches which do really well at being longer, and this one, it just seems <laughs> so much. And I wonder how many people possibly turned off the film as it was on TV, or left the cinema, or how many other things because it must have happened. Um, yeah, and then it drifts into the the waiter like leading us away, which takes a oh, little. Oh, I love time. that. So it's, it's like they're they're it's like they're asking you to stop watching. Yeah, having been, as I say, oh, I love this film because of my short attention span. And then suddenly we've got a really sickening sequence taking on what feels like forever. And then a guy just being like, oh, just come this way. And then leading you, like, to the complete opposite the side of town or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Um, and then we've got the man who chooses his own way to die, uh, which is an interesting sketch. <laughs> We've got the suicidal leaves. Wow. <laughs> I love that animation. There's not so many animations in Meaning of Life as the mm. other ones, which is a shame. Yeah, yeah I remember I was doing a, a improv class, and it was this idea of, like, that you can kind of humanize, you know, and basically anything, right? I mean, okay. I take a piece of paper, I rip it, okay, cool, you rip a piece of paper. Okay, this is a, a piece of paper, you know... This is Steve Rip. Oh my God! You know we all, you know, we all cringe. He's begging for some scotch tape to put him back together. Right, um, and then <laughs> I should probably go back onto my notes. That'd help. Right, and then we've got the Grim Reaper, uh, yeah. which I think is pretty good. 
And it took me a while to figure out that it was John Cleese. I was trying to figure out what Python it was, and I think he pretty well masked his voice in that. Um, and I think that's a pretty good uh, sequence there, the whole Grim Reaper thing. Um, well, you know, when they just say, oh, it's a, it's a Mr. Death, he's come about the reaping, and it's just... <laughs> I, I, I've started to realise how much of comedy lies in naivety. Like, a oh. lot of comedy seems to rely on, you know, the it, one person being so innocent and the other one not, and, and how that sort of really works. Because when you think about so many of, like, the teen sex comedies or whatever, and how you've you've got like one person's innocence depend, you know, against another person's crudeness or whatever, and how that level of misunderstanding seems to be the main uh, comedy. This feels like a lot more of a serious point than the rest of the stuff, but that 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 that, that I sort of realised that uh, today, and I'm wondering whether whether you think that a lot of comedy seems to re- rely on the unknowing and the innocence. Well, I wasn't sure if they were naive and didn't understand I mean of course they didn't understand the gravity of the situation but they didn't understand oh it's the grim reaper versus oh this is Mr. Death this is just yes. you know a, a fret you know oh what are you reaping you know kind of that sort of thing or and until kind of at the end you know still staying just as, as level just as calm that like oh I, I like the oh we were, just, oh, we were just talking well, about death rude. earlier well, that's <laughs> just... Right, so they understood it was the Gr- Grim Reaper at that point, and were like, "Oh, okay, well, still." <laughs> and then and they just have there... questions: Is there an afterlife? Yeah. Wasn't there a whole thing then about like? Oh, sorry, I'll just turn off my phone's noise because that's gonna bug the recording. <laughs> right, it's because I got a church event in like two days, and everyone's trying to figure out who's taking what and whatnot. Right. Um. I had a point. It's got oh yeah the uh, isn't it like at the end it's like oh it wasn't tinned salmon or it was tinned salmon or something like that wasn't it yeah yeah it's just I like the idea of that and once again it was the point with the with the pythons like playing Americans and I'm glad that you didn't say it was like terrible accents because I was really wondering like how good or bad they are I mean we've had to do like school shows which are like all American and I I can't imagine how terrible the accents probably are. They sound great to us, but you know, they're just sort of generic American rather than <laughs> any other place. Um, anyway, then we've got Christmas in Heaven. Well, first we get the last line to that is where the one is like, "I, I didn't even eat the moose." <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I didn't even notice that. Yeah, apparently yeah, it wasn't, wasn't scripted script. either. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I love that line. It's like, well, why am I dying? You know. <laughs> I, that does sound like a very Python-esque thing to just add. And um, what what I like is the ghost cars as they sort of decide <laughs> to drive drive there. And I was sort of thinking about how much of a great effect that looks, and then how easy it actually is to do. Oh yeah, because you're just sort of overlaying two images, aren't you, over each mm-hmm. other, really? Just like them getting uh, up from the table. Yeah, because you don't have to have a green screen for that. You just have a stationary camera and the same lighting, I assume, and just you know have one where you're stuck in the one pose, and then overlay a, a slight. Like faded of you walking up. I might have a fiddle about with that when I've got any moment of free time and see what I can do. Because I was looking at that. I, I'm just getting to that point now of just watching any film and going, okay, how do I do that? Nice. Which is great, but it also annoys my family when we're sitting and watching something together. I'm like, oh, well, that was a, that was that, or this is. <laughs> they had like a whole. We were watching um, Dark Shadows last night, and they I basically had was banned from talking. So. <laughs> 
can't remember what I said, but I was talking through a lot of that. Right. Anyway, Christmas in Heaven. What, what do you think of that whole scene? Eh. <laughs> Better in concept than execution. Yeah, pretty maybe outdated, though, with the singer. I was like, am I supposed to know this person? Am I, you know, I wasn't really sure. That's that's how I felt as well. It's like, um, this is probably really funny in the 70s, and I can accept it for that. Well, yeah, it, it was 70s, wasn't it? It's it, not feels, 80s. it feels a lot like um, the uh, beauty school dropout thing. Yes, in thank you, oh, yeah. Yes. Ex- except with breasts. <laughs> So I said 70s, this is 1983, so it's the 80s. Um, oh, wow. But um, one thing, it, it, it's sort of the same to me, though, as a few little elements of community when I first watched it. And that is, I find it funny by knowing that someone else will find it funny. <laughs> it's sort of, like, through community, because it's, uh, you know, because it's so much of comedy reliant on knowledge of different pop culture stuff like i found yeah. when i was watching it i mean i've i've then watched rewatched it since and got like probably a, a large number of the jokes since but it's sort of you watch it and you know it's funny because you sort of smile at the fact that someone else would have got that and someone yes. else would have really enjoyed that and that's the issue i have with big bang theory mm, yeah. i don't know what either, what either you stand on that and i find it entertaining enough but it's the fact that it likes to pretend that it's full of like nerdy pop culture references. And it's like, mm. oh, they're a nerd because they mentioned Star Wars. But everything they mention, they have to ensure isn't that everyone understands. Right. Mm. Um, so as an actual nerd, I've never been a huge fan of that show because I'm like, yeah. OK, that was easy. I, I watched it through for a long time and then it got to the same point as every sitcom does. where It's like once they start having kids, you you know, it's. That's that's the death of most sitcoms, I think. When they're married and got kids, it's like it's. Like, I watched like one, not the latest season because I think it's finished now, isn't it? Um, yeah. yeah, it just finished. I watched I watched season ten recently. I think it might have been. What what, what was the last one that was on? Was it eleven? What or 12? season it was? Oh. Yeah. Well, I watched the the penultimate season because it had just come up on Netflix and I was feeling really ill and I wanted to sleep through something. And 12. I didn't sleep. And then, okay, then I watched eleven, and I didn't sleep through it. Like I ended up watching the whole thing, but it was enough to sort of not focus on. And I quite enjoyed it in that state of mind. So I know that when twelve comes up on UK Netflix, I'll probably watch it. But I'm not in any rush to. Yeah, I think Sarah I... Michelle Gellar was in one. Was in the last episode, wasn't she? That's what interested me. Um, yeah, I, I like I the know. story, but the comedy is, you know, oh okay. That's not. I don't know what you're pausing for. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I think in terms of that sort of era of comedy, although this one, Big Bang Theory, stretched out, I really liked How I Met Your Mother. Yeah. Sitcom. Like, I've rewatched that a few times. Like, I feel like that's quite clever and it's got its own narrative structure whilst also being quite easy to dip in and dip out of. Except the ending. The ending was horrible. The very ending, yeah, was, was bad. Yeah, well, like, up, up until up until the mum died like that, the rest of it, no. The last, like, two minutes where they basically undid the whole series. Right. Um, and that's just because they filmed it first, didn't they? They filmed it like at the same time as Series 2, I think, the ending. Yeah, they planned that ending. And, and so twice. it sort of meant that the writers had built up to something else, and then it was suddenly, okay, right, we've got to go back to where we were, where we planned. And I think it would have been quite nice to just end it on the death. Because mm-hmm. um, everyone would have been quite surprised. And there's decent foreshadowing as well, isn't there? When you look yeah. back. 
but there's the, there's the whole thing where it's like I'd no, I'd knock on the door and have a few extra minutes with your mum or whatever, where it's like you know you didn't really acknowledge that as you're watching it, but it's quite a sweet thing. Yeah. Anyway, Python. All we've got left is the actual meaning of life. The end, the end of the film. I quite like the ending. Just the yeah. the abrupt. Okay, and now this is the meaning of life. Yeah, it plays like an afterthought, which just makes it funnier. Because it sort of is, really. You know, it's not the. It's almost as they know that you know that they know. Yeah. That it's. That that wasn't the point of the film. Well, and the fish commented on it at one point. Like, they're never going to get to the meaning of life at all, are they? Yeah. I was definitely kind of taken aback when they were kind of like the turned off the TV of. of... You know, heaven, and I was like, "All right, all right, here it is." <laughs> and I mean, it's some of the effects in terms of the TV Incredible, and everything else yeah. are really well done, especially for 1983. I'm trying to think what else came out in 1983. National Lampoon's Vacation, I think. Mm-hmm. I love that movie. There are so many films which I really love that I really want to do on this podcast, but none of the special guests ever choose them. Because <laughs> it's because it's whole based on like special. I've had to watch some terrible films. Um, well, whether it's terrible sort of cinematically or not, I don't know. But Exodus, Gods and Kings, I hated. <laughs> um. Anyway, so the conclusion uh, to this. If you had to retitle this film, what would you call it? Uh. I, where did I write it? I, I actually wrote down one when you said it. It was a line from earlier. Oh, hardly the time for that was mine. That's good. That's that's possibly one of the best ones we've had on the, the show for any film. We normally end up with really weird things. I like that. Because I, I, make... I love that line as the response. Like, oh, get a party organized. <laughs> hardly the time for that. I think that really works. And, I mean, it makes sense because... You're the, you know, the American there. It does feel like more of an American title than a British one. I don't know <laughs> why. It sounds like the name of a really cheesy American sitcom. Yeah, <laughs> true. Because yeah. our sitcoms have really serious names. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I love The Vicar of Dibley. You know, that's... <laughs> um, that's amazing. I mean, that's a, have you ever seen The Vicar of Dibley? I love that no. show. Uh, you... It's Dawn, Dawn French, and it's a Richard Curtis sitcom, and it's just incredible. I mean, you guys have Scrotal Recall, though, which is just the best show in the <laughs> world. And then they changed the name, but Scrotal Recall, I missed that sh- I watched every everything. I watched a couple seasons of them twice. I Oh, my gosh. I've <laughs> never heard of that. Uh, well, it's called Love Sick <laughs> now, but it's a, it's a British uh, drama <laughs> comedy kind of... Oh, I loved it. Watch it, it on loose, Netflix. It loosely rings a bell, but I'm not certain. I mean, we got some really good. Like, I think the good thing about British sitcoms, and this always feels bad when I'm discussing it with people from across the pond, hey. is we know when to stop. Hmm. Um, I think that can be agreed quite a lot. You know, we have like some really well written, like six episodes a series, yeah. maybe two or three series. There are a few which go on a bit longer, and some of them are great. Other ones aren't. Like I really enjoyed this show called Not Going Out, um, which is like it's a sitcom by like a group of stand-up comedians, Lee Mack and Tim Vine, namely. Oh, um, Lee Mack, yeah. And it well, Lee Mack like wrote the sitcom, and it's got his wits all the way through. 
and it's incredible. Um, and that's sort of going on a little bit. Um, for but they almost skipped the stage, which I don't like in American sitcoms. They flashed forward after the couple got married, mm. and the next series they had kids that were like five and seven or whatever. Nice. And suddenly the kids were able to be like their own characters and their own part of the plot rather than just, you know, the baby that you don't see the face of because they can't, you know, <laughs> have a baby on set or whatever the reason is. Um, well, that that felt like a recurring gag with one of the series of Big Bang Theory with. Howard and Bernadette's kid, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It was just sort of as we slowly had the realization. I think my mum said, "Oh, I can't wait till we see the baby," and I suddenly realized we haven't seen it, and it's been a whole season. And I think that's quite good for some of it. But um, I like the idea that not going out did that, and it's admittedly got a little bit worse. But in the same way, it's just sort of completely changed its tone. It it was you know a guy trying who was living with a girl who he who he liked, and he was trying to she was like his landlady, and he was trying to get her to go out with him and that was like the whole plot but it was all loads of other silly stuff um throughout and that was incredible and now suddenly they realize he was older it's suddenly family life between him and the landlady and their kids and his dad's played by bobby ball i think um i have to check um it's either tommy cannon or bobby ball i don't know how well they're known across the pond as cannon and ball they were quite bobby big british ball. what yeah. is this duck quacks don't echo what the heck Oh no, yeah, that, that's that's good. Like a rabbit hole. <laughs> no, that's that's a that's a great show. The episode most mm-hmm. episodes are on YouTube. Uh, it's just like comedians giving interesting facts, and then the audience have to rate like how how good the facts are, and some facts they have to like they test scientifically. It's really good. Wow. And it's all done with Lee MacWitt as well. Have you seen What I Lie to You? No. Oh, no. Lee Mac's on that with uh, Rob Brydon and David Mitchell. Um, and it's basically a panel show where different comedians come on and they have to um, they have to tell, like, a statement. Mm. Like, I think one of, the, one of the statements was, we never did Easter, we never did an Easter egg hunt, we did an onion hunt, or something like that. <laughs> and sometimes it's a truth, sometimes it's a lie, and you've got to try and, like... Mm. Uh, they, they have to, like, guess whether it's a truth or a lie. And then they have things where, like, someone comes out and the guest, the person who comes out has a connection to one of the guests, but all of the guests have got to pretend that they know that person. Oh, we did like, the, the whole story. There was an American version of that, where they'd bring in a person, and you have to figure out which one actually was that person, like knew the stuff they were talking about. The, um, oh, what the heck is it called? Oh, is that the one that they have at the start of Catch Me If You Can? Where it's like, I'm Frank Abagnale Jr. I'm Frank, I think... <laughs> Oh, to tell uh, the truth. Well, that's a little different. To tell the truth. Okay. Um, like there's a few. There was a show we had as well called um, Odd One In for a while. Uh, I only remember watching a tiny bit of that, and I don't know anything about it since. I might Google it, see whether it's still going. But I remember there was a guy on there whose job was to eat dog food and see Ooh. whether it was poisonous. Oh. <laughs> Did you watch the IT crowd at all? Yes. Yeah. I think that's very Python-esque in a lot of mm. its stuff. Yeah. Actually, I had a, a question about, uh, for the end of Meaning of Life when they said they were going to show penises, and I can't remember if they did <laughs> last time I saw it, or is that not? I don't know what's going on. I'm like, wait, what? what which version they do I they, none that I've None that I've seen have they. They do not, yeah. Okay. I was having false memory of like seeing, you know, seeing it years ago, and then I was like, maybe not, maybe I'm. Uh, <laughs> I don't know where to go. From. Anyway, um, 
have 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 you, Alice, got a, a title for this film? Um, you know, I think I would probably call it Fish Food. Ha! I like, I like that. Yeah, say Life of Fish or you know, something fish, but then I was like, oh, it's, it's Fish Food. It's just little, you know, little flakes just to keep us occupied, I guess. I don't know, like different things like that. And you could coincide it with the Ben and Jerry's. That's right. That's right, exactly. I'm so glad. As soon as I said that, I was like, what if the ice cream's got a different name in America? I, mean, no, just all... I, was, I was more surprised for, for, for y'all. I was like, wait a second. They have they have Ben and Jerry's fish food? I was actually surprised earlier when you said something was like eight quid, and I'm like, they still have quid over there? <laughs> I thought quid was a British thing. Yeah. Right, um... you, you guys don't have, like, euros? Like, isn't every... I don't even know what's going on. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. Where can our listeners find you both? Um, let's see. Well, you can find me in upstate New York if you ever come over <laughs> here. Um, <laughs> I, do, I do some comedy here. And let's see. I was also on the Room podcast. Well, that's cool. I think we all have that in common. Um, and other podcasts. Yeah, I feel if, if, if any of our listeners uh, after this are for some reason experiencing sincere withdrawal from lack of our voices, yeah. then they can definitely listen to the room minute which we've all had bits on and robert has done all of them i assume yep. yes yeah i was on the, the 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 seven podcast that minute one i did a couple other ones um but my facebook is alice lauren lauren spelled l-a-u-r-e-n and my twitter is ali mezh a-l-i-m-e-z-h so yeah just message me before you add me or anything but yeah, I'll love to talk. And Robert. And you can find me all over the place, but the easiest way is to go to my website, lemmingdrops.com, which has links to my podcast, including The Room Minute, and all of my guest spots on way too many other, especially Movies by Minutes podcasts. And now the, a link to this one will be up. Yeah. I noticed as I was setting up my website that there are more episodes of other shows I've been on than my own. Well, it's and more links true. for mine. It's not more episodes, but it is more links because for mine it's just linked to the show and like you can find the episodes. I don't link to them oh, okay. individually because that would just take up entire pages and I don't have time to keep up with that. Because mm-hmm. there are only I have four episodes of my shows. Show. I was like, you know. What well, c- can you list your four current shows? Uh, for four current are The Room Minute, which you've both been on, um, Annihilation Minute which is about the science fiction film from last year. And uh, Mandy Sucks Minute, which is about a horror film, Mandy, from last year, which uh, sucks. And then <laughs> I, and then when I have other ideas of, like, reviews or whatever, I do it on a thing called Mandalorian Time Machine, which comes out about once a week, whenever I feel like it, that one. And where does, where does all of your time come from? Do you clench your fists and go into a cupboard? Uh, I, I wish I had a cupboard. Um, it'd make better, for better sound quality and easier editing. Uh, I don't know. I fill in all of my empty time with doing this because I watch movies constantly anyway. So it's what I really it. want to do like a proper movie by minute podcast at some point, but I feel the year of my GCSEs is not the time to start. No, after that though, hit me up. We'll do about time. Definitely, I will write that down. I'll, <laughs> I'll cancel college. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, definitely about time because that is that is possibly my my all time favorite film, which is weird because I was on local radio recently, 
and then I was talking about how my favourite writer is Richard Curtis, and suddenly the guy's face completely changed. <laughs> as I was on there as like a film podcaster and filmmaker, and then suddenly I'm talking about rom coms. <laughs> <laughs> just... And I was like, they're just entertaining. I don't know why, I don't know what it is about them, but I'll happily sit down and watch Notting Hill. Yeah. Wasn't he the yeah. little person who did the love actually? Yeah. 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 Basically, uh, Richard Curtis, he did Blackadder, Mr. Bean, The Vicar of Dibley, Love Actually, Notting Hill, Four Weddings and a Funeral, Yesterday, About Time, and a couple of episodes of Doctor Who. Wow. I think he did one episode of Doctor Who. And in his spare time, he founded the charity Comet Relief. What? It's just... This man is a genius. In the episode of Doctor Who he wrote is possibly the best episode of Doctor Who. Um, He wrote Vincent and the Doctor. Oh. I love that one. <laughs> just, yeah. But, the, yeah, we I need to do a Richard Curtis film on this podcast at some point. <laughs> I think when Yesterday comes out on DVD, I will just, like put a call out somewhere. I'll put a call out on backstage where looking for casting and just say, because someone guest on my show. <laughs> oh, I'll talk about yesterday. I don't think I'd want to be like a co-host or anything, but I would guest on that for sure. Uh, yeah, I, I, I will just... I would do the Richard Curtis like minute podcast, but it takes so long to get to about time. Just start with that one. You don't have to go in order. <laughs> if, we, if we start alphabetically, is about time the first one then? Yeah. For sure. <laughs> And then you got like Bean and Blackadder. If you do TV, I don't know if you do TV. Yes, yeah, so you start with good stuff. I, I can't think of a bad thing he's done. There's probably something really bad he's done, but I haven't seen it. Oh, he did a film, The Tall Guy. I haven't seen it. Oh, I know of it. I saw that. I saw that in that England good? actually. I don't remember. I remember <laughs> parts of it because uh, weird sex scene actually, but um. It was. I think it was good. Anyway, we've gone completely off topic and random, like Python themselves. So <laughs> we've said where you can find each other. I will just very quickly say where you can find me. Um, you can find me on Twitter at llama underscore bottle zero. It's an old Twitter. I don't know why that's what it is. Um, you can find me the, my podcast on Twitter. Please be seated at please be tweeted. Excuse the pun. You can find uh, the podcast on Facebook. You can find me on Facebook, Luke Allen. You can find everything I do at lukeallen.co.uk. And I suppose there's no point plugging everything else. You can find my social media on lukeallen.co.uk as well. Then I'm not forgetting anything. But um, yeah, so this podcast, please be seated. You have hopefully been listening through the whole Monty Python series. And I really hope this isn't a lost episode that I never bother to do anything else with. If you're listening to it, I assume it's not. And you can um, you can tune in tomorrow for a random conversation all about all of Monty Python to conclude the Friday of the Py- Python's 50th anniversary week. Thank you for listening and goodbye. Please Be Seated is a Luke Allen podcast. For more podcasts, appearances and short films, visit lukeallen.co.uk.